uh, we're reading from First Samuel 17 this morning. We'll read the whole way through. I want to hearken back, and we're going to kick back to verse 11 here. And I want to talk about the first thing that we can learn. And the first thing we can learn is actually from Saul and from the Israelites. See, Saul and the Israelites were terrified of Goliath. And I actually think that it's interesting. We always think of Saul and the Israelites and we look, we look at them and we go, oh, they were cowards. We should never be like them. But in reality, they actually teach us a very valuable lesson. And that valuable lesson in verse 11, uh, the, in verse 10, just to give it some context, uh, uh, Goliath, the Philistine, said in, in verse 10 says, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the other Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now you can't blame the Israelites for being terrified because here we have Saul and Saul, their king, is terrified and he's dismayed. Now the leader often sets the tone for the people. That's the way things go, whether in sports or in business or in life. The leader sets the tone for how the people will feel. And so when Saul sees this man, sees this Goliath, and is terrified of him, A, it causes the Israelites to be terrified, and B, it's the right response. It's the right response. And the reason is, and I know that's, this is going a different direction probably than you're thinking here, but the reason it's the right response is because Saul does not have God on his side in the same manner that he did just a chapter ago. So just to give you a bit of background, we're going to look back one chapter. We're going to look in 1 Samuel 16, and we're going to go to the very end. We did, this is the problem with breaking up our series. We took a break from this series. But the last chapter we read from 1 Samuel is 1 Samuel 16, and the story of Samuel coming to to anoint David. And so we're going to jump to the end of that story. And so in verse, uh, we'll start from verse 16, verse 12. It says, so he sent for him, that's David, Sam, uh, Samuel sent for David and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David and Samuel then went to Ramah. And now in the next verse, the verse that we didn't read last time, in verse 14, it says, now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. And we can go on. That's a whole nother story. I'm not actually going to get into that today. But the spirit of the Lord has departed from Saul. And so we shouldn't be surprised when in the next chapter, Saul is terrified of Goliath. And our first lesson again from the Israelites is actually that we should be terrified sometimes. We should be afraid. And the thing that we should be afraid of is not facing giants, not facing problems that are bigger than ourselves. We shouldn't be afraid of those things. What we should be afraid of is we should be terrified of doing things in our own strength. We should be afraid to do things in our own ability. That should give us abject terror. And when it comes to David and Goliath, with the benefit of hindsight in this story becoming so old and familiar, we love to heap contempt on Saul and the Israelites for their fear and for being terrified. But you know what? If they had to face Goliath in their own strength, they had every right to be terrified. They should have been petrified. They had the right response. 
And it's not that God wasn't on their side. Obviously, God was with the armies of Israel. But there's a man who's going to rise up as the anointed king of Israel, and that's David. And he is the one who is going to have the courage. And we're going to talk about where that courage comes from soon. But Saul is the, setting the tone for being afraid. And I think it's a good lesson for us. It's not that I think Saul certainly could have had the courage and could have went forward. If anyone was qualified, it was Saul. Let's focus on, we're going to highlight on what we know from, from we're just going to recap from previous chapters, what we know about Saul. For one thing, we know that Saul is the most obvious candidate to fight Goliath. He's the most qualified. How do we know this? Well, in previous chapters, when going all the way back to when Saul was anointed as the first king over Israel, it says at his coronation, when he is, when he is uh, announced and anointed as king over Israel, it says he is a full head taller than everyone else in the assembly. He's a full head taller than any other Israelite. So if he's this, he, he's literally the physical embodiment of what a warrior king should be. He's huge. He's massive. And he wins all these spectacular battles in these chapters leading up to David and Goliath. And so if anyone should be qualified, it's Saul. So you can't blame all the Israelites then for being terrified because if their most qualified warrior, their tallest, strongest, most experienced man in battle is terrified, they should be terrified too. And likewise, when it comes to facing the things in this world, we should be afraid of doing it on our own strength. We should be terrified to try and strike out on our own and conquer the giants that are lives. We should be so afraid to go in our own strength that we never do it. That we never do it. Because the, the thing that that leads to then is not not facing those giants. What that should lead to for us is not, not just ignoring our battles, not ignoring our giants, but instead facing them in the strength of God and God alone. That should drive us, that fear of doing it alone should drive us to never do it alone. It should push us to trust in God first and not trust in ourselves. There's a lot of symbolism in here. We're going to get to some of the symbolism of relying on ourselves, and we're going to learn about that. But you know what? I think the Israelites were right to fear. It goes on, you know, 1 Samuel 17 goes into all. Why does it go into all this detail about Goliath? Why does it tell us that he's nine foot nine, nine tall? They could have just said he was a giant, but they give a specific height, which they had to measure after he died when he fell on the ground. They are probably just guessing. They, had to, they weighed his armor to know how many shekels it weighed, 125 pounds. And they were so impressed with the size of the head of his spear, they took the time to weigh it and write it down to point out just how absurd it was for David to go out and fight this man. Sometimes God calls us to do absurd things. We should be terrified of trying to do those things in our own strength. But we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be terrified when God is on our side. Every day for 40 days, for over a month, Goliath comes forward and challenges the Israelites. And nobody from the Israelites should have been able to beat Goliath. So yes, they should have been afraid. As Christians, we should be terrified to do things in our own strength. That's, this is what Saul's armor represents. We're going to jump ahead now to verses 38 and 39 and talk about the symbolism of doing things in our own strength. So, when we do things in our own strength, when we do things man's way with man's wisdom, this is a symbol of that. So just to give you a bit of recap here, David is talking. He convinces Saul to, uh, to let him go and fight this battle. And said in verse 38, this is what happens. So Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. 
Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened his sword, fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. And so he took them off. David doing things man's way might have made sense to Saul. Here, this is the way we do things. You put on this armor and you're going to go into battle. I can't imagine how unsuccessful he might have been trying to sling a stone without being by being unencumbered being encumbered by this armor. But I like what it represents, and we're going to talk about armor soon. But doing things man's way, the logical way, the sane way, those things often encumber and hinder the work of God if He's calling us to do it His way instead of man's way. And just like that armor, we can be encumbered by the things of this world by just going through the motions of what makes sense, what's logical, what, what is the right decision that everyone else around me would do. Sometimes God is calling us, and this is not an everyday life. God wants us to be wise. He wants us to be smart. He wants us to be shrewd. Yes, he wants us to be smart and good stewards of our time, of our resources, our money, our friendships. Yeah, all those things are true. But when it comes to extraordinary circumstances, when it comes to the giant battles of life, if it seems impossible, we should be afraid to put on the regular armor. We should be terrified of doing it in our own strength, in our own ability. Sometimes God requires us to step out of what's normal and what's sane and what what is what is just the regular mundane of what and that's not that battle was mundane but this was what Saul knew when you go into battle you put on the armor when you go into battle you put on my armor when you go into battle this is just what we do this is what you have to wear and David casts it off and says I'm not used to it this is if he's gonna kill me he'll kill me with the armor on or with the armor off I'm just gonna go without God is calling us to trust his way sometimes We should be terrified of doing things in our own strength. Saul was afraid because without the Spirit of God, the battle would need to be in his own strength. And he wasn't sure if he had the strength. The truth is he didn't. Probably Goliath would have destroyed Saul. There's a reason he's terrified. It's not just because he's fighting some inner demons. Goliath is a terrifying man. No one should have stepped up to fight unless they had the courage and the Spirit of God upon them. And that's why David stands up. God gives him the boldness. That's actually our next point. The second, our second lesson is also from verse eleven. We'll uh, we'll read it once again. So let's just jump back into verse eleven and see David's response. On on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. And in verse twelve, it carries on. Now David was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah, and Jesse had eight sons. And it goes on. From there, and and we'll we'll actually jump ahead. I, I started in the wrong spot. I apologize for that. <laughs> Sorry about that. Jumping ahead to David's response in verse thirty-two, David said to Saul, "Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him." So, what's the difference there between Saul's response? Saul's response in verse eleven is that he's terrified. Well, the reason that Saul is terrified is the Spirit of God has left him. Again, we read back in the, in the previous chapter. Well, we need to recognize that when we have to find the courage to fight a battle, when we have to find the courage to do something that's not in our own strength, that courage does not come from within. 
This David and Goliath story gets distorted to David found the courage from within because he stood up to Goliath and was willing to fight him. But that courage is not self-induced. We need to understand that the Spirit of God is the one that gives David the courage. All we have to do is look at what happened all those these battles previously. And look at what happens in 1 Samuel 16. What happens in 1 Samuel 16, it says the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day forward. And because the Spirit of God was singular in that time, understand we're in the New Testament, so it's different now. But in that time, when the Spirit of God came to David, it means it had to leave Saul. That's why we have, from one verse to the next, the Holy Spirit coming powerfully upon David and the Holy Spirit departing from Saul. That's not coincidence that's it, that that's written in the chapter before. When we jump into the next chapter here, we need, we need to have the knowledge and the remembrance that, that the Spirit of God has left Saul and so he's terrified and the Spirit of God has come to David and so he has the courage to step out and do something ridiculous. That courage doesn't come from being foolish. It doesn't come from being young. And it doesn't come from experience. It comes from the Spirit of God alone. And courage to do, to step out and do something ridiculous sometimes, it's, it's going to take the Holy Spirit to build that in us. That doesn't come from within. And we should be afraid of stepping out in courage to something God has not called us to do. Just because, to flip this script on its head, just because something seems audacious and ridiculous and impossible doesn't mean we should do it just because God is on our side. God did not call Saul to fight Goliath. He called David. Look at the way he lined everything up perfectly. David should not have been on the battle lines. For 40 days, Goliath is calling over a month, every day, twice a day, this man comes out and mocks the Israelites for their terror. He, he mocks them and he defies them. And finally, God, in God's timing, he brings David to the front lines. By his father, by David's obedience to his father, he leaves the sheep in the care of a shepherd. I mean, there's a million symbolic things here when it comes to when it comes to God. I don't, we're not even getting into all of it. But David leaves the sheep. He leaves everything. He goes to the front lines at the word of his father. He he's obedient. He brings the food. He wants to check on his three brothers who are in battle. And just by pure chance, he happens across the front lines just as Goliath steps forward and delivers his taunts to the Israelite army. And David, hearing it, is stunned. Stunned that no one has stepped forward to conquer this Philistine. Why? He mocks him. He says, this uncircumcised Philistine. Why does it add that weird detail in there about him being uncircumcised? Because David is saying, who is this man? He's not even one of us. Who is he to speak about God? He's not speaking out against all you. He's speaking against God. How dare he? How dare he? And why hasn't anyone from this army stood up? If no one else will go, I'll go. And soon word starts getting around. David doesn't go to Saul. Word gets around back to Saul what David is saying. And Saul summons David. And so David goes to Saul and pleads his case and says, you don't need to be afraid of this Philistine. Once again, in verse 32, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant in other words, I, I will go and fight him. And Saul gives the most sane response I've ever heard. 
You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. In other words, this guy has been fighting since long before he was your age, and you don't stand a chance. Not only, he doesn't, he doesn't even say you can't win. You can't even go fight him. That's what he's saying. And something about the Spirit of God filling David convinces him to share with, with Saul. I, I don't think that David is bragging. I don't think he's boasting. I think he's, he's making the case, and the Holy Spirit speaks through David. In his response, he says, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep, and when a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, and I struck it and killed it. The courage that it takes to do that was nothing compared to the courage it took for David to take on Goliath. Because it wasn't just a physical battle, it was a spiritual battle as well. David knew that God was on his side, but I don't think Saul believed it anymore. When the Spirit of God departed from Saul, that something happened there. And it, there's a reason for him to be terrified, and there's a reason for David to have courage, and it's the Holy Spirit of God. And God will give us the courage. The beautiful thing is when we move into the New Testament and you read Acts chapter 2, the fulfillment of prophecy from Joel chapter 2, which is in the last days, in the latter days, I will pour out my spirit upon all people, not just King David, not just Saul, not just the prophets, but I will pour out my spirit upon all people so that you will have the courage to do what I have called you to do. We too can have that courage, but it doesn't come from within. That comes from the Holy Spirit. And so if we lack the courage, I believe it's because we lack the Spirit. I believe it's because we need to be filled once again with the Spirit of God. There's a reason that all throughout the New Testament, Paul talks regularly to, uh, about being filled with the Spirit of God. It, it talks about being baptized in the Holy Spirit as a one-time thing, but being filled is a continual experience because I believe we can be jostled and we can lack the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not that we're not Christians anymore. But being filled with the Spirit of God is what will fill us with courage to do audacious and ridiculous things for the kingdom of God. That courage doesn't come from intestinal fortitude and our own personal strength. It's not self-induced. The courage to step out in faith comes from the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. David brings all these things up, not just to encourage himself, but rather to convince Saul to let him fight. We need to remember for a moment what's at stake here and understand that Saul makes an incredibly rash decision. Saul makes a really stupid choice because all signs point to Saul being the one who should fight. Saul can put his armor on. That's why he has it. He tries to put it on David instead. Saul makes a really unwise choice in man's eyes. <laughs> Who would send a young boy out to battle when the whole army is terrified of the man? This is not a smart decision. It's not a wise decision in man's eyes. Something about the presence of God and what David says convinces Saul that this is a good idea. That can only be the Spirit of God. It's not because David all of a sudden convinces Saul that he's a mighty warrior. 
I don't know that Saul believed what he was saying. It's not that I think that David was a liar, that Saul thought he was a liar. It's that there's something spiritual that happens when the presence of God comes over David and he speaks with authority and says, and says, you don't need to be afraid of this man. I'll fight him myself. You don't even have to go. There's power in the Spirit of God when he gives us the courage. So much so that remember what's at stake here. What Goliath has said is, if I win the battle, you will all be my slaves. Your whole army will serve us. You'll go into captivity. They're not that far into the promised land at this point. Look at what's at stake. And Saul, in his courage, interestingly, we think of him as a lack of courage. He has the courage to send out this young boy, David, to fight Goliath. Something about David and the presence of God in him has convinced Saul. So that Saul makes the decision. It's not, David doesn't sneak behind Saul's back. Saul's trying to give him his armor. He thinks this is a good idea. It is, because we know the hindsight of the story. But think of what was at stake there. This is how anointed David is. With his response, he so inspires Saul that Saul decides to send him into battle. The Holy Spirit will fill us with courage. Let your faith embolden your courage. And be filled with the Spirit of God. He will give you courage to do things that you didn't think you would be able to do. To say things that you didn't think you'd be able to say. It's not just for David to fight the battle. It's for Saul as well. It's for the entire Israelite army to be emboldened, to be ready to fight. You see, they, when, when they tell the story of what happens after David kills Goliath, they all chase down the Israelites and chase them into their own land and kill them all. The very thing that that Goliath threatens David with, David throws it right back at him and says, no, not only will the birds eat your flesh, they'll eat the flesh of all your friends too, everyone in your army. And so they go and they slaughter them. They couldn't have done that if they were afraid of what was going to happen because they would have thought that they were going into captivity. They would have laid down their arms already. So the entire Israelite army is encouraged by David going out, scared for him probably, but encouraged enough to be ready to go into battle after David fights and chase every one of them down. When the Holy Spirit is poured out upon his people, ridiculous things are able to happen because of the courage he gives us. That courage doesn't have to come from within ourselves, but actually comes from the Spirit of God himself. If you need courage, I would encourage you to seek the Holy Spirit, to ask the Holy Spirit of God to fill you up. He'll give you the courage. It's not You don't have to muster it from within. Lastly, Actually, thirdly, uh, we need to understand that our, our battle is not with flesh and blood. David's battle actually wasn't with flesh and blood. There are some powerful symbols here, and we're going to go into them a little bit here. David's words to Goliath are echoing a powerful visual object lesson that we just talked about, that we just learned about. And he says here in, uh, in verse 45, David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Look at what David's saying here. It echoes a verse that we're going to read in just a few moments here. Look at what David says. You're coming at me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. You're coming at me with the physical. 
But I am coming at you with the Spirit of God on my side. Yes, it was a physical battle, but it was a spiritual battle as well. There's a powerful object lesson being lived out here. David has come to the battlefield ill-equipped to fight a traditional physical battle. Why does it bring up Saul's armor? Why is that significant? That means something. It's in there for a reason. It's no accident that Saul's armor is mentioned. So recapping what we know, Saul has been rejected by God as king over Israel. David is anointed as that king. The spirit of God has departed from Saul. And now the spirit of God is powerfully on David, the shepherd king. And so it's so poetically fitting that David casts off the armor because God is setting up in very physical fashion, in a, in a very powerful object lesson, God is setting up that David will be a very different king from the king Saul was. We know that at Saul's uh, coronation, when Saul is announced and he's anointed as king over Israel, he's a full head taller than everyone else. We talked about that already. Saul is the embodiment of a warrior king. He's the powerful king. He's the physical king. He, he's the one who is going to go into battle. And he's the one who's going to win many battles. And even with the anointing of David in 1 Samuel 16, God is setting up a contrast between Saul and between David. And he's saying, look, this is the king you wanted, Israel. This is the physical thing that you think is going to make sense to you. But you, man, look at the outward appearance. But God looks at the heart. And so God takes David and says, this is a man after my own heart. And he sets him up. He's this shepherd boy. He's not qualified to be king. And yet God is going to make him king anyways. And man looks at the outward appearance, Saul, and says he should be a better king. But God looks at the heart. And so even in a physical battle, even in a physical battle, Saul is the more qualified one in man's eyes. And yet God still uses David, the spiritual king, the spiritual one, the one who is not physically fit for battle. God even uses David for that battle to win that battle as well. Because Saul is, even though he's the one who physically makes sense, God is making the point that even though the, what makes perfect sense in man's eyes should be what we should be doing, even if all signs point that direction, God still wants us to trust him first. He still wants us to put our faith not in what makes perfect sense in man's eyes, but in what he has called us to do. And so he takes David and makes him this living object lesson. And it's not just that David was a better king. He was a better warrior than Saul. The one thing that Saul should have had an upper hand in, David embarrasses Saul. So that Saul says, who is this guy who now is going to be my son-in-law? He's promised his daughter to be married to David. Who is this, who's this man's father? And as you'll see carrying on to chapter 18, chapter 19, you can see Saul is terrified of David continually trying to kill him, chasing after him. God is making this powerful lesson early on in Scripture so that when Paul writes it in Ephesians, and we're going to get to that in just a few moments, that lesson will be vivid in our minds. And so let's jump ahead. We're going to jump ahead to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're just going to read another important object lesson for us. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Don't read the subtitle. It'll spoil it for you. <laughs> it 
Ephesians 6 verse 10 says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. I'm just going to pause there. Our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities and powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil. Now, I think David is our prototype here because it represents a, a, a decided difference, a decided change from Saul's armor, man's ways, doing it in our own strength, to David putting on the full armor of God. This, this blew my mind when I read this. I was, you know, I was just kind of ruminating on it, and I read it, and I, I, I realized just, I just realized David has to take off the physical armor of doing things in his own strength to be able to put on the full armor of God. And when he, when I read this now and I go finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power, what's it saying? It's saying the spirit of the Lord is upon David and that's why he has courage because he has been strong, not in himself. Saul is strong in himself. He's a physically, he's a physical specimen. But David's not strong in himself. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Take off Saul's armor and put on my armor, David. He's the prototype for these verses. I can't help but think Paul must have been thinking of this story when he writes this. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We're not facing physical giants in our lives, but the lesson is still the same to put on the full armor of God, to allow him to give us the courage. Saul thought his battle was with flesh and blood in the form of Goliath, but David recognized that this battle was not only with Goliath, but with the spiritual forces of evil. And it blew up my brain to recognize that when God, when Paul's talking about the full armor of God, he's referencing this very story to remind me not to do things in my own strength. To remind me that my courage does not come from within. It does not come from my experience. It does not come from my physical strength, my emotional fortitude, my just sheer guts of willing myself to do it. I cannot will myself to do the things of God. I cannot step out in faith in my own strength. I can't do it on my own. David casts off the physical armor of Saul to put on the full armor of God in the spirit because he knew that if God was on his side, Goliath didn't stand a chance. It didn't matter what kind of armor he had on or did not. And when it comes to the spiritual battles of our life, there are two things that are going to happen and they're completely diametrically opposed. They're totally opposite. 
Either we put on Saul's armor and we try to fix things in our own strength, and if that's the case, we don't stand a chance. Or we can put on the full armor of God and do things in his strength, in his way, with faith and total trust in him, walking by faith and not by sight, and then the enemy doesn't stand a chance, but there is not a middle ground when it comes to these things. Yes, we can do things in our own strength for a little while. Yes, we can go through the motions of going to church and just kind of carry on this Christianish experience. But when it comes to the big things of life and faith, we either do it in our own strength and thus can't, or we do it in the courage and strength of the Holy Spirit, and then we absolutely can and will. And there's no middle ground. I need to ask you, and we need to ask ourselves, are we trying to put on Saul's armor to fight a spiritual battle in our lives? We need to ask ourselves when we come against opposition, when bad things happen, when we are facing facing the giants, to use, once again, a tired cliche. Are we putting on Saul's armor to do that? Are we doing things in our own strength? Because the first thing we should do is cast off doing things our way and instead... Do things God's way. In hindsight, we look at the battle and see, well, of course David won. Goliath didn't stand a chance. Well, you know that because you read the story a thousand times. Imagine being there. Put yourself in that story and you see that King Saul has sent this young boy who just a little while ago was bringing a bunch of cheese to the commanders of the army. <laughs> this cheese delivery man, the shepherd boy. That's ridiculous and it doesn't make sense it doesn't it doesn't make sense sometimes god calls us to things that are ridiculous and don't make sense thank goodness he doesn't do it every day <laughs> this is understand this is a special occasion this is not an everyday occurrence for david and yet in the midst of his everyday occurrences god brings this tremendous challenge and trial before him and in the courage of the holy spirit he steps up and he says who's this uncircumcised philistine how dare he speak against our god i will go and fight him the holy spirit will give us the courage to do that in hindsight here and in conclusion i I think the reason we need to go beyond the cliche of david and goliath is to remind ourselves That the story of David and Goliath is not an underdog story, not unless you consider Goliath the underdog. He didn't stand a chance. It's not even an underdog. He he literally had no chance. It was, was not a fair fight. If we teach our kids the story about overcoming obstacles and being brave and fighting your giants alone, we are doing our kids a tremendous disservice when we teach them about David and Goliath. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the courage to step out in faith and do something profoundly impactful for the kingdom of God. I don't know what it's going to look like for all of us. I don't even know what it's going to look like for our church. I've had glimpses. I'm thankful that God gives me courage and strength to do little things. I'm praying that our church will step out and continue doing big things. I mean, just on a very simple level, it doesn't make sense for our church to keep doing camp sometimes. When you look at how sparse our congregation is and how we're getting a little older, we're having a hard time finding the volunteers. I think stepping out in faith is what it requires for a church to go, yes, this is what God has called us to do. I don't care if it makes sense in man's eyes. We're going to do it anyways. 
God will give us the courage to do that. We should be terrified of not of doing it in our own strength. We should be petrified at the thought of striking out in Saul's armor and going in our own strength and our own ability. That should drive us not to avoid our battles, not to ignore them, not to bury our head in the sand, but instead to seek the Spirit of God. Because we don't have to wait for God's anointing to receive the Spirit of God like David did. We can freely come before the presence of God and be filled with the Spirit of God daily. We just don't. There's no other reason it doesn't happen other than we don't. We have the freedom to enter into the presence of God because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ who tore that temple veil into the Holy of Holies so that we could enter it. That we could come into the presence of God every single day and be filled daily with the presence of God. And in response to that, we just don't. We just don't. Because life's a little busy we're tired. It's sad. I do it too. This is not a judgment on you. This is just a reminder that we can experience the courage that David had to face every battle we come against. And we need that reminder of what the, where the courage comes from, that it comes from the Spirit of God. And you can have that when you enter into his presence. Just because you don't feel it doesn't mean it's not happening. Sometimes we need to go beyond feelings. Feelings are not fact. You'd enter in the presence of God. Read his word and pray. To pray in the spirit on all occasions, just like we're told here. To seek him daily and be filled with his spirit. Then he will give us the courage. And when something remarkable comes along, we will have the courage to face it, not in our own strength, but in God's strength. We need to be people who put on the full armor of God. The sad thing is when David and Goliath becomes a cliche about Goliath being way more qualified or about being the one who should have won, that, that's, that's not the biblical narrative at all. David knew Goliath couldn't win because God was on David's side, and that emboldened him to step out into victory, but he still had to take that step of faith out onto the battlefield and throw the stone. He didn't just stand there on the sidelines. There's action there. God wants us to take that step of faith sometimes. That takes courage, but to be filled with the Spirit of God, that's what gives us that courage. He's the one who gives us courage. So I encourage you to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Let's pray.